Well, hello there, ladies and gents. Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I've got special guest Stephanie Foster on. I've met her at one of the conferences this past year, and then I've, I've interacted with her at every conference since then. And each time I, I speak with her, it's just like she knows what she's talking about. Uh, she's in here for the right reason. She's trying to make a positive impact, and I'm happy to get her on the podcast to share her story. Uh, she's a coach as well, so we kind of dive into what she's noticed with her clients, certain trends, uh, certain techniques that seem to work really well. Uh, just some good good quality knowledge here. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast with Stephanie Foster. And Stephanie, we're live. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me on here. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just going to have to like make fun of myself here for a second because this is literally the third take we've done. <laughs> I just had another technical difficulty. So they say the third time the charm, though. So I feel like this is going to be just a podcast of gold right here. I think so. We're going to hit it out of the park this time. <laughs> we are. We are. So I want to. we've met at the Redmond's event, um, which was, I think, the Metabolic Health Summit, right? I believe so, yeah. We met there, but I think we really got to know each other more at KetoCon in Austin. Right, and then we met again at the the NACA competition. Yeah, yeah, that was such a cool event, such a fun event. It was, it was a lot of fun for sure. But I've really, like, in the, the few times we've talked, I've really appreciated how you just are trying to get into the space, you've got good content, you've got good skills, good knowledge, and you're trying to... Like your Instagram alone says you're trying to teach keto diet to millennials. What does that even mean exactly? <laughs> so I'm more uh, virtual based. So I feel like the millennials is kind of like a better target just because, you know, busy people trying to, you know, get around and just having to do the video conferencing is going to be so much easier. But honestly, as I'm diving more into the keto coaching, I'm finding um, that, you know, Gen Xers and our uh, needing it a little bit more as well. So I actually kind of changed my topic on Instagram to being just people in general. Everybody's kind of needing it. And it's funny because, you know, I've been doing keto for, gosh, two two years now, since 2017. And it's funny to see how it exploded in 2019. It's just like in January, it was like nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been thinking about coaching for such a long time. And I was like, you know what, I just need to just do it and I finally did it last year you know and got into it and here I am so now I'm you know teaching people and about keto and that it's more than just about losing weight because that's how I found it was more on another aspect it definitely is I want to I mean this is this is this is good because I always like talking to different coaches because I feel like as coaches we are pretty We've got a pretty good pulse on the keto community, so to speak, so that we can kind of see how the trends are moving, the direction people are, are taking things. So I kind of want to flesh that out, like just what have you noticed, you know, just this past few months here, 19, 2019, as far as like what trends and what direction the keto community as a whole is, is, is headed towards? I'm finding that a lot of people, you know, are not so dogmatic as they used to be with keto. You know, it's it's getting to be a little bit more of a flexible approach. Me personally, I go for more of a metabolic flexibility aspect, you know, so I'm not keto 100%, 24, 7, 52 weeks out of the year. 
you know, I do cycle carbs here and there that are low glycemic. And I also use them strategically. Um, I just find with my body that um, hormonally, I, you know, try to cycle them in around my cycle or to kickstart my cycle, um, maybe even target them a little bit more around my workouts. Um, but I'm finding that that's a little bit more accepted now, whereas, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, it was kind of frowned upon. So I kind of like that people are kind of seeing that it is not just one thing for everybody. It's everybody has, you know, a different approach to it and that's okay. Yeah, that, that's definitely the case. I feel like, I mean, I'm definitely one of the, the strict keto people, but I don't have anything against obviously people that cycle in cars, but it, it's, it's good to see that people aren't just shamed for whatever they're, they're doing. I feel like that's always been a, a very small minded, immature approach that, that was pretty popular for a while there. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where everybody's body is so different. So some people's bodies are going to react differently to the keto diet than others. Some people do great, you know, on it 100% of the time, 52 weeks out of the year, some people don't, and that's okay. And it's just really learning how to listen to your body and also just kind of experimenting with it. I think that's like the biggest thing. And that's what I like to teach how my clients to experiment with their bodies and to learn about their bodies and to listen to their bodies. Cause that's so important is that a lot of the times we just ignore those, you know, alarms and we just keep on trucking along. And then later down the road, we kind of hit a roadblock and we wonder why. Were you, I'm assuming you were probably following your traditional, uh, you know, traditional standard American diet prior to getting into keto. What, swayed you this direction what compelled you to start following this this path in the first place so it really kind of and i have to kind of have a little bit of a background here is um in high school you know i did the typical diet i mean i've tried every diet you can imagine i've even done like the master cleanse diet with this is like this horrific diet where you literally drink lemonade for 10 days with like cayenne pepper, maple syrup. It's awful. I don't, but you know, back in the day, it's like whatever I could get my hands on to become skinny. And um, so it was an interesting thing too, because in high school, you know, I got on birth control and I was also given antibiotics left and right because I would go through yeast infections. I would go through bacterial infections. And so I was to the point where my doctor just gave me a prescription and I can literally just go to and just, uh, go to the pharmacy and just get, you know, Diflucan. And that was it. And I didn't really realize until much later how much that really played into me having IBS. So in college, of course, I ate like whatever I wanted, mm -hmm. you know, and I was an athlete. So it was just one of those things where ah, I'll burn it off. You know, I need all the carbs anyways. I, you know, everything I can get my hands on didn't really matter anything in a package. So in essence, I ate like absolute crap and uh, got out of high school or out of uh, college. Of course, I gained the 20 pounds and needed to dial back. And when I dialed back, uh, I started to notice and start to tune into my body. And I would just notice a lot of these flare ups with eating a normal salad would just bloat me up like crazy. Or I was, you know, constipated for days. And I was like, this is not right. 
And, you know, I just kept going around and doing research here and there, listening to podcasts, anything that I could get my hands on. And I went to a nutritionist and because um, I had heard about him on a podcast. And I was like, oh, finally, I, I may have found the thing because, you know, the thing with IBS is that it's such a gray area. You go to the doctor. This is what I did is I went to the doctor and I did all these tests. And, you know, I'm 22. I can't really afford to just spend $800 out of pocket on all these tests for them to just tell me, well, it's inconclusive. It doesn't look like you have anything. So I'm just going to tell you that you have IBS because that's pretty much what they do is they can't figure it out. Irritable bowel syndrome. So it's a syndrome. Um, And so I went to a nutritionist and again, he was going to take me down that pathway of like, multiple tests and just seeing him was expensive. It was going to cost me up front like four or five grand and before even getting into it. And I was just, it was heartbreaking. I just remember sitting in the car, just crying because I'm, you know, I had no idea what to do. And so I found uh, Allie Miller. So shout out to Allie. She's amazing. If you haven't heard of her, um, She's also, you know, very big into the keto space. And uh, she told me to, you know, start going under 60 grams of carbs. Well, before that, I was in taking, I was in that, you know, bro science and the fact that I have to have carbs in order to lift weights, you know? Right, right. And so I was just looking at her like she had three heads. I'm like, what do you mean I have to take under 60 grams of carbs? That's impossible. I wasn't taking probably around like 200 grams of carbohydrates a day. Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of an extremist to where you tell me one thing, I'm going to do it 110% of the way. And so I said, you know what, if I'm going to do under 60 grams and I found, I don't really remember how I came across keto, but I'm sure whenever I was researching, I was, I found it. And I saw this had to be under like 25 or 20 grams. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go all the way and go all in. And I can't even describe the feeling of how it feels to just be normal, to eat something and to not have any symptoms. It was just like such a relief to me. And I felt amazing. I felt clear and I didn't feel puffy. And I had, you know, bowel movement every day. It was just like, wow, I'm a normal human being. This is what it really feels like to be normal when you eat. How amazing is this? And I haven't felt like that in years. So when I found that out, I was just like, I'm sticking to this. And there, here I am now. <laughs> and and when was that? How long ago was that now? So that was uh, summer of 2017 is when I started keto. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you've been uh, more or less keto ever since? Pretty much. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, um, I was on keto or did it for roughly six, seven, eight months, pretty strictly. Um, and I did find that I actually stopped using birth control at the same time that I started keto. And about a couple months after that, I completely lost my period and I didn't have a period until let's see, I stopped having a period in July and then I got one in December. So for a while I didn't have anything. I mean, I had amenorrhea and, um, then I decided I had carbohydrates back in because I actually gained a little bit of weight and lost a little bit of muscle during that time. And when I added a little bit more carbs back in, uh, and dialed in the fat, I actually lost weight 
And so I kind of found a little bit of, well, you know, when I introduce carbohydrates, then it seems to kind of reset things. And then I did, you know, go back to keto and I would lose again, the weight. So it just seems to like fluctuate for me for whatever reason. I definitely want to dive into the hormones here. Cause I feel like a lot of women, uh, you know, can relate, can appreciate this conversation. So do you have any idea what your, um, like just what your total caloric intake was roughly during this time? Uh, I would say it was probably around 15, 1600 calories. Do you know, like how high do you normally take your calories? Like what's a pretty good baseline for you? Pretty good baseline is probably around that much. It's that's like pretty much maintenance for me is 15, 1600. Um, you know, and then I train pretty roughly, gosh, six days out of the week. So you train pretty, pretty rigorously then for sure. Yes. Yeah. Heavy, heavy weights and a little bit of cardio here and there, some hit training. Do you, so like, uh, it's funny you mentioned Allie Miller cause Crystal, I'm, I'm using Crystal as a reference here because I, I don't have too much experience with a lot of this hormonal stuff as far as it relates to women. Um, but she was on birth control for like 11 years, I want to say. And then she, uh, you know, we, we'd gone back and forth. She was on the pill for a while and then, then she used one of the IUDs. Um, and then, we listened to Allie Miller's podcast. I forget which, I think there's a two part series. Like I, I want to say episode 115 and 116, but it may be totally off on that. Um, uh, but she really dove deep into, you know, birth control hormones, uh, mm-hmm. going about things more naturally. And then we switched over to the Daisy. I don't know if you listened to that episode or not by chance. I think I did. Yeah. Um, it's funny because um, whenever I switched away from birth control, I started using an app that's similar to Daisy. It's called, um, I think it's like natural cycle or something like that. But yeah, similar. Yeah. That made a, a huge, a huge difference. And it took her a while to like let things equalize and regulate back out. But I mean, you, you I was talking about this to somebody the other day, but you think about it, you're, you're putting in all these non-natural hormones. I mean, some of them are natural, but like in, non-natural amounts and you're just in taking this in year after year after year without any kind of off cycle basically and i mean like i said she was in it for 11 years i mean that's that has a pretty profound impact oh yeah i started uh birth control when i was 17 i stopped it pretty much when i was 27 so yeah 10 years and i took a break maybe once but i mean i was on it pretty rigorously and it's just one of those things where when you take it like that i mean for such a long amount of time your body forgets how to produce its own. So you really start to disrupt things in your body because you're taking them exogenously. So it just kind of, you know, forgets and you disrupt those signals. Do you, um, so when you got off of it, you said you, you lost your cycle when you started keto, you said, right? For a few months. Yeah. So I lost it. Um, so that's like the fun, that's like the interesting part is like, you know, which one is the chicken or the egg type deal. So I, I stopped the birth control and I started keto pretty much at the same time. And I lost my period for about four or five months. And, And uh, it seems to happen regularly. Um, you know, same thing. I haven't had my period again in about four months. And I've been keto. And so now I'm trying to like, okay, now's the time where I need to add a little bit more carbohydrates, but it's such a delicate balance because personally I like to eat keto because of my IBS. And so whenever I eat more carbohydrates, it just kind of flares things up. 
and I don't feel my best, you know, so it's kind of like finding a fine line and, and just tuning things in for my body. Have you ever played around with increasing calories rather than increasing carbs when you notice that your cycle's off? Uh, yeah, I, I have. Um, I've been at 1800, 1900, sometimes 2000, and it doesn't seem to really kickstart things. For how, how long a period of time? Do you have any idea? Um, I would say maybe like a few weeks, probably not, probably not long enough, to be honest with you. I think it's one of those things where it's like plays with your head too, where mm. I don't want to really gain the weight either. <laughs> yeah, I was talking so, to Allie, and, and this is like, a tricky delicate balance, like you said, because she was saying, and and she broke this down much more eloquently than I could ever hope to, but she was saying that a lot of women will be off on their cycle, and they'll be able to get it, uh, you know, recurring again and, and back on track by either the introduction of, you know, strategic carbs or calories, but I would argue that the calories are kind of more like a long game approach, like overall health you would want to gear more towards increasing your baseline caloric intake uh, but the carbs kind of emulate the same thing on a very short period of time frame but I don't know I'm I'm again probably a little biased because I'm speaking from a very strict keto person uh, mm-hmm. but I feel like a lot of women have irregular cycles because they are eating too little overall if that makes sense yeah no I you know I, I will say like I don't um, and I've dialed back on intermittent fasting, so I don't really do intermittent fasting anymore. Um, I do intake, you know, my MCT oil in the morning with coffee, maybe a little bit of collagen before my workouts. I'm just not into eating anything before my workout. I train like at six o'clock in the morning, so I'm not really keen on eating anything, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I just found that, you know, having intermittent fasting on top of doing keto on top of training six times a week on top of having another job and then having a side job, you know, it's just, it's a lot, right? It's a stressor. There's so many different stressors on your body. And so women, we have to be really careful with having too much on our plates and our body is going to prioritize. It's not going to focus on, you know, reproductive health. If you have a lot of other things going on, it wants to keep you alive. That's its main purpose. And so when you have all of these different stressors, it's just going to say, okay, cool. Well, you're not ready to have a baby, obviously. So I'm just going to focus on keeping you alive because apparently there's a lot of tigers or whatever. It's going back to its ancestral days, right? And so that's what, you know, I'm trying to find that balance of, okay, how can I do this? And there are, there are you know, some people who say, well, you need carbs, you know, for thyroid health and, you know, to convert, you know, T3 into T4 and it's just, so it's finding a balance, I think, is in finding what works for your body. And maybe some people's bodies is better with a little strategic carbs around their cycles, like days one and two and three, you know, and days uh, 19 through 21. Do you do anything for, for sleep? I'm always I'm always curious about people's sleep habits because I get terrible sleep. So I'm always trying to steal hacks from other people. But you're busy, probably type A-minded, like go, go, go person. Uh, do you do anything specific to improve sleep health? So it's funny, like my deep sleep is amazing. My REM sleep is like my aura ring keeps telling me like your REM sleep sucks. It's like, Oh, thanks. You know? And then I don't really know what to improve on that, but you know, I do take some CBD at night. Um, I also take magnesium. Magnesium has been huge for me, especially with IBS 
it kind of helps things kind of move along and have a bowel movement in the morning, um, especially with coffee and MCT. So it just kind of keeps things rolling, but also enables, you know, for relaxation. Um, I've also found that if you're really having a hard time sleeping, valerian root is a really good tea. It smells awful, but it does not taste as awful as it smells. So that is a good one. And then also blue light blocking glasses. I found that that has really helped if you're actually really diligent about it. Sometimes I'll forget and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot to, you know, put them on. And then I put them on like 30 minutes before bed. And that doesn't really helps a little bit, but not exactly much. And also keeping my room very cold and very dark and very quiet. Do you, um, it's, it's funny because I feel like most people that have aura rings, they generally have significantly higher REM sleep than deep sleep. Have you noticed that? I have not. Well, I, you know, I think I've like seen some other people's and it's funny because like my deep sleep, I'll get two and a half hours or, you know, and it's always around that average. Whereas my REM sleep, it's like maybe an hour. And if that, sometimes I'll get 20 minutes of REM sleep throughout the whole night of like, you know, six hours. Typically I don't, I get, maybe six six and a half hardly ever do i get eight hours it's just i don't know why i'm not built that way um i also can't get my booty to bed in the on time yeah um but you know it's just one of those things where for whatever reason my body just needs to repair itself a lot more than i guess it needs to do some other things well it's funny because i i always have higher deep sleep than REM sleep too but it's, I, I feel like everybody else always has higher REM sleep and I'm not an expert on this, but I, I, I think the REM sleep, that sleep cycle almost always occurs mostly at the very tail end of your sleep cycle. So if you're waking up with an alarm clock, you know, before you would wake mm-hmm. up naturally, that's where you're mostly cutting that REM sleep short. Um, what time do you say you wake up? So I wake up at 5.15 in the morning. With an alarm or normally? Uh, depends on when my body the- feels like it sometimes with an alarm and then sometimes I'll wake up at 4:45 in the morning before it and wonder why but sometimes it'll wake up on its own yeah sleep sleep's tough like I've, I've tried a little little bit of everything I tried the weighted blanket for a little while and I've I still use that I feel like that actually has improved my room but it just makes the room it makes it makes me sleep so much hotter so I've got to crank the the heat down to like I don't know, 57 degrees or something ridiculously cold in order to fall asleep with the, the weighted blanket. I never tried the weighted blanket. I've always been curious about that. I don't know. I don't really like anything like weighted on me. The only thing that's weighted is my cat and he just kind of sleeps on my feet, which is great because my feet is always, my feet are always cold. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, a, that's basically the same thing as a weighted blanket. Good old cat. Yeah. <laughs> He's a happy cat. So <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, do you ever use like melatonin or anything like that? No, I don't use melatonin. I'm just kind of like anti-exogenous hormones. <laughs> so yeah. it's like melatonin is kind of, you know, the hormone. And I just, again, your body can become reliant on it if you use it too much. Um, same thing with valerian root if you're not too careful with it. But it's not as bad as like melatonin per se. Um, but I, honestly, I haven't found that melatonin actually helps me in any way. Um, I have found that, again, like CBD really just helps like with racing thoughts. Um, and I think too, that when people have a nightly routine, it just helps you get into that state a lot easier. Um, and kind of helps your body prepare for sleep rather than just like, you know, having all of these different things going into bed at a different time every single night or waking up in a 
different time every morning. It's like you have to establish a routine and something that is to be expected for your body just makes things so much easier for it. Yeah, I totally agree. I've I've been trying to be much more on top of getting to bed at a certain time or within 30 or 45 minutes of that certain time. But do you do you try and stop eating a certain number of hours before you go to bed? I do. I am a muncher. I do love snacking and um you know, it's one of those things where like, okay, probably after 8 p.m. is when I definitely stop in taking anything. And I just take supplements, if anything. Um, I do take my magnesium. Uh, I also, if I want to have something, I'll have bone broth. You know, I do make my own bone broth at home. And uh, I'll have that with maybe if I want to have a little bit of fat, maybe some ghee or coconut milk or cream. And then I just blend that up and it's just tastes amazing. And I put it with some salt and that's I've, like my snack. I've been curious about bone broth because I've been drinking bone broth daily now for the past two weeks and all the bone broth you buy is it's, it's never gelatinous at, at uh, room tip. It's on, honestly not even gelatinous once you stick it in the fridge. Whereas if you mm-hmm. make it by yourself at home, it's, it's always like separating. So do you feel, do you make it, personally because you feel like it just has all the nutrients whereas anything you buy from the store is just void of all that yeah and you know for me i go to the farmer's market and i buy all my bones from them so one it's supporting you know local community and then two i make it so i know exactly what's going into it i know what flavors that i want into it um and then yeah exactly i mean it does come out to be very gelatinous and it depends on what type of bones you put in there you know if it's mostly marrow bones it's not going to be as gelatinous if you have like knuckle bones or you know feet more cartilage type of bones in there so it's not going to be as gelatinous what is the famous stephanie bone broth recipe is that something you're privy to share yeah um there are a few types that i make i make a like a pho type of bone broth. Um, I do have like almost like a Thai lemongrass bone broth. And then I have like your traditional style bone broth that I make. Lately, I've been uh, really digging the lemongrass Thai version. And um, I'm actually putting together like a little recipe book for um, like the Thanksgiving Black Friday. So that that whole ordeal. Gotcha. Gotcha. I like it. I'm going to start getting more into the, the homemade bone broth for sure. Do you just use like a crock pot or like an instant pot? Yeah, I do in a crock pot and I use, um, sometimes I use bison bones or I'll use beef bones or lamb bones. So those are the ones that I typically use. And uh, anytime you use any those bones, you do want to like have it simmer for 48 hours. So that's how long I have mine uh, for. And I will say it's so much cheaper to just do your own bone broth. Uh, I do have like a little highlight on my Instagram for bone broth, like step-by-step. It it does take a little bit of time to go ahead and prep it and to do it, but it's into the groove of things. It's very easy and it's so worth it because, I mean, for that whole thing, it maybe cost me, you know, $30. And then for good bone broth, good quality bone broth at the store. It's like $7 for two cups. <laughs> yeah. And mine gives me like this giant, like, you know, I don't like eight quarts or something ridiculous. That's the way to do it for sure. I need to, I need to switch over. It's just for me harder to, to track the macros. Like I'm in a prep right now. So I'm trying to track everything, which would be really hard to do with homemade bone broth. Whereas like it if is. I'm in the off season, it'd be pretty easy. 
Yeah, you can't really tell. I mean, it's kind of hard to know the nutritional value on that, but I mean, pretty much you're going to get a decent amount of fat and a little bit of protein. And um, depending on what type of, you know, veggies that you put in there, if any at all, um, then you might get a little carbs here and there, but it's nothing going to be too significant. What about organ meats? I feel like a lot of people that are making their own bone broth are probably nose to tail and they're thinking and eat a lot of organ meats. Does that define you or not so much? You know, <laughs> I I tried very hard. Um, Dr. Anthony Gustin, he he does uh, like frozen liver and he would like take it almost like a, like in a pill form. So I was yeah, like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give that a try. You know, I've never had liver, right? And here I go being that extremist. I'm just going to go all in. So I went to my uh, bison guy and I asked him, I if he had liver and he actually had lamb liver so he gave me lamb liver and i chopped it up and so it smelled awful and it uh and i tried it raw without freezing it mm -hmm. and i swallowed it and i you know it is great to not give you an appetite afterwards so i didn't want to eat anything <laughs> it just it I couldn't stomach it. I tried freezing it and then taking it in. I think it's just an acquired taste. Maybe I have to try some other type of liver or I tried cooking it and mixing it with ground beef. You know, Danny Vega does that. Um, I I just couldn't. I can mix it. Like if I mix it with enough other stuff, it, it it's totally fine. And I can honestly, every once in a blue moon, I'll get a craving for liver and I'll, you know, saute it up uh, or stir fry it up or whatever. But I cannot do the raw liver thing. Like I, I tried that once, and I, I probably just got it too big of a bite. But I started chewing on it, started melting as I'm chewing on it, and then oh, it's God. just like slimy, and I'm just like, no, this is not me. Yeah, no, I completely just like I put it in the back of my throat, and then I just swallowed, and I was just like, oh, you know, it's just it hit all of the taste buds, even though I tried to avoid all of them. Yeah, and it's not my not my thing. If I'm gonna do it, you know, I'm just gonna get my vitamins and minerals through a different route. You know, I have my custom vitamins that I have made. Um, and then I do my bone broth and take a lot of different supplements. So what, what do you mean you had your custom vitamins? Man, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So uh, I work with another company, uh, they're called routine. Um, and they basically take your DNA and they see, you know, in terms of your genetics, what you're, you could be deficient in. And they also take a lifestyle quiz. So they kind of add that other layer. And then on top of that, if you have like blood results from, you know, a vitamin panel, uh, they'll add that into, into there. And then what they'll do is they'll actually compile personalized vitamins for you to take every single day. It's like a package, a little package. Um, you'll see that I'm on, on my story sometimes. Uh, on my Instagram and they look like little micro beads. And essentially what they do is that they cover it, you know, in beeswax so that it's a lot easier to absorb. Uh, mm -hmm. and you can take it with or without food and you don't have to have a gajillion different types of supplements and you know exactly what you're getting and they're good source. So that's what I've been taking every day. And then they send you, you know, a month's worth at a time. Have you, have you noticed a pretty profound, uh, impact from those? Yes. No, I, I definitely feel a lot better. Um, I will say I started it probably maybe a month ago. So typically in order to give supplements a really good shot, you have to do them for about at least two to three months. 
uh, and then see really how you start to feel. But I do feel a significant increase in just energy and uh, again, helping with IBS symptoms as well. So that's kind of why I also take them. And then, um, you know, it can kind of dive into your genetics, whether you have the, I think it's the MTFHR mm-hmm. yep. mutation, um, you know, and it can take that into account as well. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I really like that. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm just tired of taking like 800 pills a day. So it's easier to take that packet. Yeah, there's a lot of money spent on on vitamins and minerals and supplements that people will never absorb, uh, and it just makes for expensive urine. But it's it's a money making industry for sure. So I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But I like the idea of making customized vitamins. I've heard of like customized nootropics, uh, and that's pretty appealing. I like that idea. But and but vitamins, I've never heard of that before. What, what's the name of the company again? So it's routine. Um, you can also find them in uh, my little link tree in my bio on my Instagram. Um, and then you can, again, you just go through, you do the lifestyle quiz, and then they have to send you the DNA kit. So that just takes a little bit. Almost, and if you have taken already the, is it 23andMe, mm-hmm. I think? Or you send the raw data? Yeah. So if you've already taken that DNA test, all you have to do is upload it and you don't even have to do the whole DNA thing. But for me personally, I haven't done it. So I had to go through that process and just swap my cheek and send it in. But you do have to wait, you know, uh, like six weeks or something for to get the results back. Nice. Nice. Is it pretty reasonably priced? Yes. Yeah. No, it's pretty. It's like $2 a day. Oh, well, yeah, that's nothing. I mean, by the time you wind up buying like mountains of other supplements that you don't even know if it's going to work or not, I mean... You're saving money for sure. Oh, no, yeah, for sure. You save money, and then you just save time. And, you know, again, swallowing 800 pills is just not fun. Yeah, not at all. So let's dive into training a little bit. You train six days a week. What kind of training, like what's your split looking like? How are you structuring that? So I've actually dialed it back to five times a week because, again, trying to kind of dial it in. Uh, But normally I really like to concentrate on my legs. Mm-hmm. So I actually train my legs about two to three times a week. Uh, I do a lot of compound lifting and then I do like maybe some accessory training along with that. Um, lately I have been incorporating a little bit more cardio in there. Um, so sometimes I'll do either 20 minutes before or 20 minutes after with like a 30 minute or 30, 30 second uh, sprint here and there just to kind of, you know, get warmed up and get my body going. And you said you're doing like heavy compound movements like squats and stuff like that. Yeah, squats, deadlifts, sumo deadlifts, um, hip thrusts. If ladies, if you want to build a booty, that's that's the way to go is hip thrusts. I feel like squats is like one of the kings for building a booty too. I feel like it's hard to get women to to be excited about doing heavy squats, but that's like a game changer for building a, a derriere. Oh yeah. Well, here's the thing. For me personally, I think like with my, I have such tight hips, so it's very hard for me to do a very deep squat. Mm-hmm. And you have to, like your form has to be on like point in order for you to really target that. Um, you know, but it's really great for total body too. For total, I mean, you target everything. You know, your core, your even your shoulders, and and you know, just keeping the bar in place. And um, but I think, you know, having some good movement and making sure that your body is able to move properly is super important. And before you even go heavy, you got to make sure that you're able to do things properly. You do like a lot of stretching and mobility work. I'm trying to do more mobility work because I'm so type A. I just like really like to just go, you know, 
crazy. Just, you know, I want to get into it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, mobility for me is like, uh, it, it used to be in my mind, a waste of time, but it, God is so important mobility work. And, you know, the other two days, I think I'm trying to concentrate more on that, um, more on mobility and doing a little bit more yoga, um, just to kind of, again, help with calming things down, but also incorporating a little bit more movement in there. I've had several people recommend I get into like yoga because I'm, I'm the worst about mobility too. I just like, I mean, just like jumping in. I, I wake up early, I go to the gym. I don't really feel like I've got time to do mobility work, but I probably should make the time. Um, but for you, like doing yoga, do you, did you have a, a background in yoga or do you like watching a YouTube tutorial video on your yoga? Like how does somebody get into yoga? Um, honestly, the yoga community is so, they're the most welcoming community, even beyond the keto community. Keto community is the most welcoming community ever, but God, yoga, like you just, I mean, you could be the most beginner person in there and they'll make you feel like you're at home and it's completely okay. You can do this form if you want, you don't have to, it's very relaxing. Um, and people think of yoga as like, you know, oh, it's stretching and it's, it's really not, you know, I wasn't really into yoga. Like I said, like I was an athlete, I was a soccer athlete and to me, yoga was just kind of Mm frou-frou and when I got into it, it's pretty dang hard. I mean, to hold some of those poses and for such a long amount of time, or if you're flowing constantly, it's very much, you use a lot of different muscle groups and you'd be surprised, like, especially if you're just into hardcore weightlifting and you haven't done yoga, if you do yoga, you know, a couple of times a week, you're like, okay, I didn't know those muscles were there, but it's good to know. Do you, like, so you go into a class then? Yeah, I go into a class. I mean, you can definitely do it on, you know, through YouTube. There's so many different renditions now to go ahead and do something like that. Um, there's apps that you can do it from. There is YouTube channels, Allo, A-L-O. You know, they have a YouTube channel that you can do some, you know, series from. But I like just going and being with other people. Um, but it's really great because it not only teaches you movement and how to tune into your body, but it also teaches you mindset and how to connect to your breath and how to connect and stay in tune with your body and how to feel things out. Because it's one of those things where, you know, if you're moving in a certain way and something doesn't feel right, you got to listen to that and not push it. Totally. Totally. Have you ever heard of animal moves? Oh yeah. Yeah. Animal movement is really good too. Um, you know, and that's a little bit more, again, I think a little bit more like a step above yoga, right? Um, it can get into more core work and, uh, def- definitely gets into the breath. Um, but I haven't really gotten into it, but I've definitely seen it on. It's very, I think they kind of pushed that for sure. Yeah. I was talking to, we did like a Instagram live the other day and we were talking, about, I don't know how we got on yoga, but I had several people talking about animal moves. I'd never heard of it really before. And then I started YouTubing it and, and some of the stuff that people are doing is pretty impressive. I mean, you, you gotta be in control of your body to be able to make these movements. Oh yeah, no, it takes a different type of, it's more, you know, stability type of movements. And again, you have to be very mobile with your body as well. And what I mean is like, can you do a squat properly? Can you have proper shoulder rotation? Can you have proper thoracic, you know, rotation? And so it's just getting your body to move in the way that it's supposed to, because oftentimes we're always, you know, sitting down or sitting at a desk or sitting in the car 
you know, we're not moving like we used to, you know, back in our primal days. And so our body just gets very stagnant. And so we need to be cognizant of it and actually um, make sure that we are improving our movement. It's very, very important. Yeah, I feel like, you know, <laughs> I spend a lot of time sitting in front of a desk, sitting in front of a computer. And I feel like that's, I mean, any of this body weight, like any, any of this body weight type stuff, yoga, animal moves, like that's something you could do like in the office and that would totally like if you did that and broke up your day with it you know two or three times throughout the day that would totally change your your body's skeletal structure if that compounded over time I, I truly believe that oh for sure and sometimes it's like you know if you don't have time to work out for an hour and a half you know in the morning that's fine you know take some 10 minutes here and there and you know work up some type of, you know, movement or, you know, do some, I don't know, squat jumps or do some push-ups or whatever, you know, that compounded over time can add up into an hour or an hour and a half. Right. So it's just taking the time to just break away and to give your body a little bit, you know, of a kickstart. What about meditation? You do anything for that? Yeah. So I have been trying to make sure that I get into a meditative um, practice it's definitely something that I'm working on, but, uh, you know, I do a guided meditation. There's an app called Headspace that I use and I really like it just because it kind of walks you through it. It helps with visual visualization. And you know, what's funny is that I do see it on my aura ring. It does tell me you rested for however many times, you know, like I'll take a 10 minute meditation and it'll tell me, tell me eight minutes you rested. And it's like, Oh wow. Okay. It really does work. You know, I just find it just really does help to kind of take a step back. Oftentimes we're so into our daily lives that we just don't realize that, you know, it's okay to take 10 minutes, set aside some time for yourself and just let all that crap go and just really get into you and focusing on you and your health. Yeah. I've been, I've been trying to be on top of that. I've been meditating for like 10 minutes every day, right after my workout I thought that's been good because normally our employee meeting is right after the workout, so I'm able to clear my head and like shift over to a different, you know, place of being before I go in for that. But then I feel like, you know, if you're eating after a workout and you have a meditative state, you know, right after you train, you can absorb any nutrients you consume much better and you're just able to kinda set the tone for what's to come much better than if you were to skip it all together. And I've, I've been pretty bad about meditation in the past, but I feel like, you know, anytime I go through something as structured as like a contest prep where I'm eating the same thing every day and it's just a lot more routine, I feel like I can really dial in my meditation. I think that's huge. Yeah. I think trying to like fit it into either a morning routine or a nightly routine is going to be the most beneficial because Again, making a routine or habit out of anything, it's going to feel weird when you don't do it. It's just like brushing your teeth. It just feels odd when you forget to brush your teeth or you're gross. Well, it feels just bad anyways. It should feel bad. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, I forgot to brush my teeth last night. You know, it's the same thing. It should be like that with, you know, either meditation or whatever it is. It is like maybe you're, you have a nightly cup of tea, you know. So it's just kind of keeping that, making sure that you do it at least a month and establish that routine and make sure that that is like the thing that you don't skip. Mm -hmm. What do you, I mean, in working with the clients you have, and we, we've kind of been talking about, we've talked about training, we've talked about nutrition, we've talked about, uh, you know, like meditation, mobility. What are, of all these pillars, so to speak, what do you find uh, 
people resist the most? Like, what what do you feel like is the Achilles heel, so to speak, of people reaching good overall health? I think it's it's the comparison game. Um, oftentimes with my clients, they're, they're very good at sticking to it. Usually, you know, maybe they'll have a, a time where they, you know, they felt bad and they had something they didn't eat. And it's just one of those things where it's just, it's the mindset thing that is the most, that is the hardest and which I thoroughly enjoy talking them through, you know, the majority of my coaching is, you know, of course it's keto based and it's nutrition based, but it's also mindset and kind of teaching yourself how to stop comparing yourself to others or have, stop having these expectations. I think expectations are, is the absolute killer of joy. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as we put these expectations on ourselves and we put so much pressure on ourselves and oftentimes they'll, you know, be on Instagram and they'll say, well, I saw this person and they lost all of this weight and I feel like I'm sticking to it, you know, and I haven't lost any weight. So what's going on? It's like, well, your body is completely different from theirs, number one. And then number two, you can't trust anything on the internet because a lot of these things on Instagram, people don't realize it's like, well, you know, they've had the gastric bypass surgery. That's why they lost the weight, not the keto, you know, they're, you know, Instagram hacks or whatever. And so people get so, you know, dialed down into that and they forget their own journey is their journey. Their body is their body. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, make sure that you're focused on the goal here. Yes, you want to lose weight, but at the same time, what what is your why? Why do you want to lose weight? Is it just do you just want to look good or do you want to feel healthy? Do you want to do this for longevity? Do you want to do this because you want to feel more energy? You know, those are the things to focus on and a little bit more tangible because once you get down to that weight that you've been wanting to get to, you're always going to keep wanting to lose more and more and more. And it's just one of those never ending things. And I find that, you know, once they go down that rabbit hole, it's just trying to talk them into other things where, you know, focus on the energy aspect, focus on these other things. It's like, are you improving more every single day? Yes. Are you, have you improved more than you did a month ago? Yes. That's more important because whether you lose 10 pounds in the next month or in the next three months, you still lost 10 pounds you still got to keep going with it. You know, keto is not just, you know, something that you stick to for two months and then you go back to the way you're eating. It's not like that. And it's just teaching them that and teaching them about just generic nutrition in general. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the it all boils down to mindset for sure. That's, that's always the biggest hurdle for people to get through. Is there any like specific, uh, like tangible um, application you use yourself personally or recommend to others like whether it be you know journaling or having some type some type of you know tangible thing like physical act where they can chip away at every single day to make sure that their mindset stays on par yeah so sometimes you know i'll have them write down you know some sticky notes about themselves and they'll have it you know stick it on the mirror like what are and it's funny and almost well I don't say funny, but it's, it's a little sad because I'll ask some of my clients, you know, what are the top five things that you love about yourself? And they'll just struggle mm-hmm. to find three. And it's like, okay, well, that's something that we need to work on. And, you know, write it down as woo-woo as it sounds, write it down on a sticky note, put it on your mirror and have your first sticky note start with I am. 
and the five things that you love about yourself, whether it's like, you know, I am loyal, I am strong, I am courageous, I am this. And each post-it note is dedicated to that. And you put it down the line of your mirror and you repeat that. You look at it. You look at yourself in the mirror, like deep into your eyes and you repeat it to yourself every morning. And eventually, whether you believe it or not, you're going to get there. You know, it's just changing those patterns, those thought patterns that whenever we look at ourselves in the mirror, we always will go to the negative things and we'll pick apart our bodies left and right. And oftentimes we don't give it the praise that it deserves, which is hard. And journaling is another thing as well that, you know, is something that I don't practice that every day, but I do practice it whenever I'm going through a hard time or there, I need some clarity. It's just write out your feelings and just let it out. Um, or if my clients are going through a really hard time, I tell them, you know, feel what you're feeling and it's okay. Give yourselves 10 minutes to just cry, scream, whatever it is. And then just say, I'm done. After these 10 minutes, put an alarm clock or a alarm setting. Once that alarm goes off, then move on, but actually feel it and go through it and let it go through your body. Because if you hold that in for so long, it's going to manifest itself in some way, shape or form. And that can come in a physical sense too. So it's definitely just different, different types of uh, actions. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like there's, there's, there's not a whole lot of things that really get me down, but if, if there ever is something that gets me down, I feel like I could just, you know, I'll oftentimes like go to sleep a little bit earlier, call it a day, call it a day. And, and start fresh and if I do that like I'm totally 100% by the next morning like I feel like I can start fresh on a new day and it, it is truly a new day like I don't have any of the weights of the past on me but it's hard for people to like start fresh but knowing that each day is an opportunity to get past any any hardship any hurdles is, is key yeah and, and definitely gratitude is something that I practice and it's not something to where like I write down like top five things that I'm grateful for you know it's one of those things where I'm very much you know into my faith so you know I pray to God every single night before I go to bed thank you for this day thank you for this thank you for that you know I tell him what I'm very thankful for because you know I'm I am very grateful for the things that he has provided me and the opportunities that he has given me and um, it's just recognizing that. And then, you know, I love mornings, love mornings because it's just a bright, fresh new start and getting to change people or, you know, change their mindset on mornings. Some people, be, you know, they dread mornings, which is totally fine. You know, everyone has a different thing, but it's like, you know, you get to start fresh. If you didn't, you know, finish something the night before, well, guess what? You get to take care of it today. Are you one of those people like you come in in the morning and everybody just, doesn't want to be around you because you got too much energy for them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think I'm that, that much energy. Um, but I definitely have uh, one of my work partners. He's very much that way. And that guy is like a ball of sunshine. I'm always trying to work to be something like that Yeah. because cute. you can't help, but smile whenever you're on those people like, you know, Logan, you know, goody beats people know him as goody beats. He's like that way. He's just always smiling, always has a good energy around him. You just, you want to be around those people. No one wants to be around, you know, a cloud, right? Totally. Totally agree. Well, talk to me about this, this course you're working on. Yeah. So I'm working on a group course that I'm launching on the second uh, weekend of January. And essentially it's a 10 week program. And of course it's going to be talking about keto. And these are of course for people that are, you know, a little bit newer into keto 
where I'm going to teach them about keto, but also teach them about nutrition and have a topic every week that we're going to be focusing on. And it's going to be more of, again, it's going to be all virtual. So you're not leaving your own home or anything like that. It can be all through the computer, which is very nice. And it's going to be, you know, to where we see each other. It's going to be very intimate. Uh, there's going to be a Facebook group so we can all kind of interact with each other and then really do some fun giveaways um, every week to where there's going to be like a social challenge and keep each other accountable. So it's going to be a fun community aspect. And that's what my main goal is, is that nutrition is not something to dread. It's something to definitely learn about again and learning how to listen to your body and then make it fun and make it an experiment. You know, your body is an ever changing thing and just taking the time to get to know it instead of forcing it into something and understanding what it's trying to tell you. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And that's what I really want to help teach people is that aspect of it. And of course, the mindset of, of all of this, because you are what you tell yourself. If you keep looking in the mirror and you keep calling yourself fat or you keep pulling yourself down, guess what? At the end of the day, your body's not going to want to get skinny because you keep telling it you're fat, you're this, you're that. So it's just changing those vibrations and changing that mindset is something that, you know, of course I work into there as well. Yeah. I feel like anytime, I don't know. I, I love, I love making things holistic in nature, like having a symbiotic relationship between the nutrition, the training, the mindset, like it, it's hard to have a truly valuable course or book or whatever if it's only one dimensional like you have to have all these things you know solid in order to really grow in any you know significant manner no i completely agree and there's nothing wrong with you know here's a 28 day challenge and then you just follow a meal plan but you know my thing is always what, what do you do when those 28 day meal plans are done yeah. Or did you really learn anything? Do you know how to apply them to your everyday life? When you go out to a restaurant, you're in a social situation. Do you know what to do? Do you know how to explain it to people when they ask you? You know, because then you also become an ambassador for health and maybe for keto. And so that's one of those things where, you know, we have to, again, take in that knowledge and learn. And that's the whole thing. That's the whole purpose. Totally agree. Well, awesome. Awesome. Stephanie, where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, you can definitely go on my Instagram, it's foster.health, and uh, say hi, pop in. Um, would definitely love to talk to anybody or help anybody out. Uh, that's primarily where I'm focused on is there. I'm also developing a website, um, but that's in the works. So it'll be www.foster-health.com. Uh, so I'm hoping that'll be launching here in January as well, along with the group program. Perfect. Well, I will certainly link out to those so people can find you easily and definitely keep me posted on the the group program in January and just anything else that you got in the meantime. Are you, are you going to any of the conferences here coming up soon? So I am attending the Metabolic Health Summit. I think that's the end of January. Mm. Um, but other than that, I right now I'm just finishing up some one-on-one -on -one clients uh, here in the next couple of months, taking the time to make sure that I, you know, I build this program and um, spend time with family. That's what it's all about. I love it. This is the time of year to spend time with family for sure. Exactly. Well, Stephanie, it's been a pleasure. Let me know if there's ever anything I could do for you and keep doing what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. It was such an honor. I really appreciate you having me on here and uh, looking forward to seeing what you do in 2020. Absolutely. Take care. <laughs>